Hello, punk fiends and friends. This is Bruce from Maggot House, and you're listening to the Punks and Pubs podcast. Say that six times fast. I'm stoked to share my Creep Night single with you. Dedicated to all the creeps and ghouls of Halloween, this project comes from a love of the misfits and the spits, growing up in the 80s and watching every horror movie I could. You can find it on all streaming platforms right now. Follow me on Instagram if you want the latest news, and make sure to watch Maggot TV on YouTube. But now let's get to the good stuff. That's what you tuned in for. Here's a hellacious new track, Creep Night. Welcome to the Punks in Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird, PIP, and uh, I, I don't know. And I hope my voice finds you well. Well, since the last time you heard my voice, the UK has had two prime ministers, uh, completely normal, that was voted in by less than one percent of the UK population. Complete democracy in action. 
How about that? And, and I'm very aware of the hypocrisy of of a person who literally just said that uh, to go tell other people to go vote and uh, save democracy. But I'm going to do that. I'm pleading with my American friends to go vote on November the 8th in the midterms. I know it's not really a sexy vote, but right now your apathy to your right to vote could bring about a catastrophic chain of events later in the years uh, that could impact the lives of, of women's right to choose, gay people right to fuck whoever they want to fuck and trans people's rights to, to live however they want to live. Not to mention democracy, it's fucking self. If you don't know who to go vote for in this election, think about the most vulnerable people in your society and vote for that person who will help them the most. Go vote. Just go vote. What happens in America really does affect what happens globally. So if you are listening to this and you're listening to it before November the 8th, get out there, get up off your bottom and go vote. In this month's episode, we'll be focusing on the most vulnerable in society and a person who is trying to do something about that through the power of punk rock. <laughs> Ali Keen is one of the people behind the punk rock charity festival, Philanthropunks. And he is my guest on this month's podcast. For the past six years, Philanthropunks have uh, put on shows to raise money for the homeless charity called Glassdoor. In the UK, there are approximately over a quarter of a million people experiencing homelessness right now. And in Ali's early life, with his mom and three siblings, it was something he witnessed firsthand living in a women's shelter. Clearly, it's a subject matter close to his heart, and it's one that we speak about in this episode. As well as that, we also talk about how Philanthropunk came about, why it's rooted in a DIY punk movement, and why it's important to partner show even when the world is falling apart around him. In this episode, we'll also get to know Ali the person a little bit. You will find out that he moved to LA to have a crack at acting, and he also and also how listening to No Effects changed his attitudes to politics. Before we start, just a reminder that everything we talk about in this podcast, you can find a link that will send you to the subject matter. Um, if your podcast provider does not supply you with that link, go on Punks and Pubs socials at Punks and Pubs, and you will find all the links there. Right, let's crack on. Enjoy. My first week is my worst week. My last week is my fast week. And the two in between where I wear down the dream. I get by on 70 quid a fucking week. I'm a London living sleeve. London wants a living wage. And I'm running in circles. I'm chasing my ass. I'm last place in this rat race and I'm running. Drinking and yes. multitasking yeah, yeah. all yeah, at the same time. If you're happy with me, I'm, I'm gonna. I, yeah, I know. I know some people will hate the sound of you eating. Are, are you one of those people who really? I think. Um, I think it's probably impolite. What a polite young man. By the way, I've hit record. So oh, okay. all, all, this is, all this is going. So <laughs> the first sound of me on your podcast is me <laughs> chewing away from the microphone. Well, like like you said, you, you're a man with manners. I would have just chomped away <laughs> and then I know people would have been messaging me saying that's disgusting you could edit this though right 
Yeah, of course. But, but do you want to? No. No. <laughs> Got to get that <laughs> ASMR chomping exactly. in Exactly. <laughs> like, if, if, if they're paying them for pledge, you know? People get this for free. Like, if they, if they can't deal with a bit of chomping, you gotta, gotta look into that, like, you know? Yeah, you know, we all do it. Exactly. If, if, it. if sound is the thing that's gonna break you, maybe maybe talk to someone. Yeah, wear your muffs. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. Um, so, the person you're hearing in front of me is uh, Ali Kane. Keen. Uh, Keen. Well, I fucked that up straight away, so we're gonna do that again. The person in front of me is Ali Kane. Keen. Keen. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Everyone calls me Kane as well. Mate. <laughs> anyway, so it's a Friday night. Uh, we are sat in Passiac Avenue, uh, a bar just on the outskirts of Soho on uh, Cleveland Street. Let's give them a plug because they've kindly uh, placed us downstairs. Upstairs is really busy at the moment, so they've kindly put us in a booth down here. Uh, so, yeah, how are you, man? How's your Friday night going? Good, yeah. I'm going to do some um, Halloween karaoke later on tonight. Yeah. Nice. What, yeah. what you got lined up? What, what would you go for? Oh, I d just whatever is on there. Like, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I've been trying to get some punk rock on that, uh, yeah. on that karaoke machine for ages, but uh, failing that, I don't know. Killer Queen by Queen? No. That's quite a karaoke song, right? Uh, yeah, but you have to have the pi pipes of an angel. <laughs> yeah. My God, after beers, you know, be lucky if I can do the fucking Wolf Tones. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, thanks for joining me. Essentially, a few weeks back, you got in contact with me because you wanted to f get some publicity for a, uh, an event that you're doing called philan Philanthropunks, is that Phil correct? Philanthropunks, like. See, yeah. I'm dyslexic, so this is gonna yeah. fuck up yeah. many times. <laughs> it's which a hard is, word. Sorry. Which essentially is a three-day celebration of punk taking place from the 5th of November, no, from the from 18th. 18th of yeah. November, yeah. fuck me. Yeah. To the 20th. Yeah. You know what? What's gonna, I'm gonna have to show you. I do have like proper notes, like I have really researched this. And, and it's It changes just, every year, it changes every year. That's probably weird, back. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so when is it? It's the 18th of November to the yeah. 20th. Perfect. And I, and I did actually have the name of the venue, but that has now changed. It has changed, sadly, yes. Do you want uh, to tell us that story of why it's changed? Oh, you know, we got a phone call um, about eight days ago to inform us that the venue is, that the bar is shutting down um, on Sunday. So that'd be October 30th. Uh, and our event takes place like two weeks later. And none of us, like, we were all quite blindsided, you know. So to get the call was very stressful because right then we were four weeks from the show and I was one week from this podcast <laughs> so imagine if I rocked up and went yeah we're Flanthabonks we have no venue <laughs> you know um, so there's an, one of the bands playing uh, actually put me in touch with um, a venue in Bermondsey you know a, a place called More Beer Vault okay. they're trying to get some more gigs in there so I went down um, and I met uh, the manager and uh, yeah she was really lovely you know um, she was really keen to have us in there so that's where we're going to be in the Friday and Saturday. Um, and then the Sunday, we're going to be up in Hackney Den for the acoustic day, you know. Um, and I think that uh, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. You know, I'm glad it worked out in the end, but uh, really <laughs> stressful week or so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, there, was there ever a point of like, fuck, let's just get a generator and just find a space? We were always going to do something that I had some backups that I didn't want to use. Like, yeah. you know, um, we were going to at one point we were going to just split into three different venues so you'd have Friday night in one place and go to somewhere else somewhere on Sunday but that's very stressful and I think anyone who's bought a ticket to the show they could get confused yeah. you know and if you've got a weekend ticket to the show they're not going to want to travel anywhere else you know the backup on the backup was to host it filmed 
and just refund the money and, and film it in a um, a jam room and ch release it as an online content thing. But yeah. it wouldn't have happened in November. So, so all the profits will go to a homeless charity called Glass Doors. That's it. Uh, so the funds that are raised uh, will uh, help fund night shelters that run between November and April. That's it, yeah. yeah. See, I, I did do a bit of research. <laughs> this isn't all just complete bullshit. Uh, <laughs> of course, we're gonna we, we're gonna talk about the uh, flange punk and and the work that you're doing uh, with Glassdoor. But what I want to do is get to know you a little bit better, if that's okay, okay and yeah, fully sure. understand why someone will give up so much time to put on a three day punk festival with the stress that you've just spoken about, uh, and 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 give it to a very noble cause because I think. You need to have some motivation to do that. Sure. Um, so, I, I would also I wanted to kind of a little bit and know about your own kind of punk credentials, and sure. not not to judge are you punk enough because that's such a bullshit <laughs> fucking thing, but just trying to get to know you a bit. So I don't want I don't want to get all Brexity, but sure. I don't think you're from these parts. Well, I, that's an odd one. Actually, bring that up because I'm actually born in a place called South Shields over here. Yes. Okay. And I, I moved to Ireland when I was about um, I was about five or six. Yep. Um, and sure, I did my growing up over there, and do you know, what I mean, yeah. my kind of ideology or my identity would really be from Ireland, like yeah. you know. But um, yeah, on paper, British. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. So, so how did you end up living in Ireland? Was it a family got a job over there and you had to move over there? Uh, no, do, do you know what? Right, we were over there when Thatcher was in power. Yeah. Right. Uh, in in Newcastle. Like, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. My mother was like, "Nah, fuck this." They brought in poll tax. Yes. And that's when. It's the thing that brought it down, really. Yep. Yep. And that's the thing that made us fuck off. <laughs> I think my mother was like, "That's the end of it." To be honest, like, yeah. I had enough of this shit. <laughs> it's shitty over here. The whole thing is fucked. Um, because she was raised in Ireland herself, like. Um, she was in Cork, so she was like, "Yeah, Cork's way better than here." My grandparents are from Cork. No way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What part? Uh, no idea. All I've right. never asked them. But Cork I mean, is the biggest county in Ireland. Oh well, wow. there you <laughs> go. So, so my full name, in, and I always do it in like a, 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 a like a, a fake Irish accent, is Liam Patrick Peter Bird, but it always sounds too Northern Irish when I when I do it. Liam Patrick Peter. Yeah, Bird. 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 Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. My my grandparents got the first two. And then my English parents got the the last two. Sure, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I've you got always three kind of names there. So you must have done like your communion and confirmation <laughs> and all that. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so always, uh, always uh, looking over my shoulder. Um, but yeah, uh, so where in Ireland did you did you end up going back to Cork then? Yeah, Cork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moved around the place in Cork, um, a few different places, like you know, but all around kind of the city. A uh, place near Blarney called Grenade. Just be like between the two places, the city and Grenade. Growing yeah. up. Yeah. And and how was it living in, in quite? It's quite a rural area. You got Cork, and then everything else is very green and beautiful. It, it, yes. Yeah. I mean, the Cork city itself, though, the city centre is lovely. Like you yeah. know, um, well, it was when I was there, um, and like spending a lot of time in Grenada which is past Blarney it's a very green area it's all country like you know it's a village and you've got maybe a thousand people there so it's uh, everyone looks after each other like you know it's yeah. a lovely place to be to grow up I think like you know yeah. how how was it then and like as an English lad because I'm guessing I don't know if you had a Geordie accent or anything like no, that going over there no because like I was in Newcastle but like my mother spoke with a, a Cork accent like yeah. you know mine wouldn't be terribly strong you know uh, but you know she was talking to me also she was baby and all that uh, so I had kind of a neutral accent that kind of developed in Ireland do you know yeah 
Um, I mean, people could understand me. You know. uh, yeah. I didn't talk like Alan Shearer, like you know. <laughs> right. No, but it was like a period. How old are you? Uh, 37. 37. So you're roughly around my age, then. So yeah. you were kind of in a period whereabouts, like politics was a massive thing between England and Ireland, and sure. Tony Blair was about to. I don't know if that's 96. No, nine, so, yeah, nine, yeah. This is back in 1990, 91. So okay, like, so. Uh, so tensions are quite high between the two countries. So the IRA was yeah. still trying to bomb Margaret Thatcher yes, yes. and then get rid yeah. of her, yeah. yeah. So, like. I, I don't I don't know, but I would presume it'd be quite difficult as an as an English person in in a country whereabouts your government is essentially not even allowing sure. like members of parliament to even be have their own voice on the news at ten. Like it was yeah, such yeah. a like Jerry Adams. I never heard Jerry Adams' voice until the peace treaty came 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 about. I think though Jerry Adams is like like he's North. He's the Northern Ireland guy. You I, know. I'll, now, he See, was now I've support. shamed myself for this <laughs> He's, well, Do you know what? This is, uh, this is the problem with Brexit and uh, the debate about Northern Ireland over here is not a lot of people really understand the complexities of Northern Ireland. You really, like, people have done PhDs in this stuff and never fully covered it, yeah. you know? It is extremely complicated. I grew up in Cork, so I, I don't even understand the full complexities about it, like, you know? Um, you've got, like, it's always been Catholics and Protestants warring up there, but now you've got a third identity emerging, Yeah. Who don't identify with either religions, you know, and a fourth smaller identity emerging from that called um, unicorns, and these are Catholic uh, unionists. So they, you know, of course they grew up, you know, under people who want to bring the republic or bring the six counties back into the Republic of Ireland, but they themselves believe fiscally it doesn't make any sense. Mm. So they're still Catholic of the Catholic faith and whatever, but they still believe it's smarter to be attached to the United Kingdom, maybe for now. Yeah. You know? And that fourth identity, it's only small. The, the number in their hundreds. If there was a vote tomorrow, it probably wouldn't pass. To be honest, like you know, um, they can't even get the Northern Irish Assembly to sit at the moment. Well, yeah, know? yeah. They, 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 today, I think they announced another election. Yeah, another yeah. election. You know, Stormont is dormant, yeah. and it has been for years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is Punks and Pubs, the Irish political podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a big family, a small family? No, quite small. Yeah, yeah. Just um, is it small for Ireland or small no, for England? <laughs> I guess it's, it's small for like it's, it's it's there's my mother and uh, there's me and four other siblings. Like you okay, know. yeah. You middle child, older child, younger child. I'm th- I am the middle child. The middle really. child. Well, yeah. kind of like I'm the second eldest. I'm yeah. Second eldest. Yeah. So. so are you are you at that age whereabouts you were kind of ah he's all right. <laughs> Let's not worry about him. He's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know, I'm just kind of like just breezing along with it like and everyone just lets me coast you know, <laughs> you know? so so what about music then like if, if you're from quite a rural area like where was you getting like 
not necessarily punk music, but was it like music constantly well, played in your house? And do you know, I like I spend a lot of time in the rural area in Granada, and I loved it out there. Um, but when I'm back in the city, then uh, you know, myself and my mother were back in we're Bishopstown. I would um, I'd hang around a couple of the lads like, and they're musicians. And I picked up the guitar when I was 17. Um, I met a friend of mine, Kean. And he taught me some stuff because we listened to the same stuff. Like he introduced me to NoFX and Blink and all that kind of stuff, you know. So was he your entrance into punk then? Was really, he? yeah. Because yeah. before that, I would listen to well any any kind of music. Really, like my mother would have whatever music's going on in in the house. Like you know, a lot of classical music to be honest. But because uh, she like plays piano and all that stuff. But you know, I'd listen to the Chili Peppers and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. But really, the punk stuff came from Kean. And um, when I wanted to learn guitar. I went over to his gaff and the two of us were 17 at the time. So we picked up the guitar and we just like started messing about. And uh, then you roll on like 10 years later or whatever it was, we formed a band together, you know, in London. Yeah. Did you meet him in London then or was you... No, we, 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 we knew each other from back in Ireland like when we were about 17 because we had the same group of friends. Yeah. Yeah. So did he move over before first and then you moved or did you move No, together? I moved first and yeah. then he moved, he moved over after like, yeah, yeah. Because he, he works for the field, worked for the Field Studies Council. What made you come back ho- home, home, yeah, yeah. quotation marks home? Yeah. Uh, well, do you know, it was time, there was nothing happening in Ireland like, you know, um, the arse flew out of it to be honest yeah. uh, after the financial crisis and, um, yeah, it was just time to move on, to try something, try something else. Like you know, I knew I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. But I knew it wasn't in Cork, so I decided, yeah, see what's. Up. I went to LA first. Oh, a yeah. course. <laughs> That's a big thing to jump yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, only, I only did like a small course over in, in Los Angeles, like uh, because years ago I wanted to be, like be an actor. You know? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so what what happened in LA? You just realised fuck this, like no, the same for me. No, or? it's just so fucking expensive out there to be honest, man. Yeah. Like you know. Uh, so what year was this roughly? Oh, 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and then then like but December 2009 came to came to London. Yeah. And then just started jobbing it for a while, uh, while forming the band, you know, in about 2000 and, uh, 2011. So did you get any joy doing any acting? Like, did you get any gigs? Did you yeah, book any gigs? a couple, a couple of bits and pieces, like, you know. Um, I had a voiceover agent. You know, you do small jobs, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they, they do, they, they pay well, but, like, they're kind of buying your rights out to do all that stuff, like, you know. Um, and I did enjoy it, but it's such a tough game, like, you know. Mm. Uh, I really commend any actor who can stick with it because I didn't, you know. I knew really I wanted to do music, like uh, that's really where I was heading. And these days, like I'm still like I've got an active, whatever, uh, profile on IMDb. Uh, IMDb, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did a horror movie in Poland years ago, um, in which I was the uh, typical stoner that was killed off. You yeah. Know? What's yeah. the name of the What's the name of the film? It's called Sparrow. Sparrow. There you go. People yeah. go find that. I get my I get my uh, head cut in half or face cut in half it's it's a beautiful beautiful moment yeah Oscar stuff Oscar winning <laughs> stuff there <laughs> so I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to spend a little time in LA myself and the thing that I noticed instantly and it, we're talking about homelessness fuck me there's a homeless issue Tons. yeah I mean Skid Row right yeah yeah. 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 I lived in downtown I lived in downtown like, yeah yeah really? yeah man yeah um, I got up and personal with that stuff, like you know. Because I, I think anyone who thinks of like, oh, Hollywood is is uh, it's going to be beautiful. It's it's a shit all. Like the, the whole area is a shit even, all. Even Hollywood. Yeah. It's fucking filthy, man. Yeah. You know, I met I I, I had to drive over there, you know, because you're not walking. Yeah, you can't like, walk anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So one day there was a man 
and I'll never forget it like there was a man begging for money whatever right in the lanes <clears throat> in the traffic lanes when the red light was on and uh, I rolled down my window and had a chat with him like right and uh, he called himself Wolf right and uh, he heard my accent and he said like oh that's an Irish accent and I was like how well you knew that yeah turns out the, the guy was served in Vietnam like and he was talking about refueling the plane in Shannon and all that you know and how he liked his time over there and you know he was one of the um, uh, the NCOs like the people kind of forgotten after the Vietnam War he just fell in hard times there's no social safety net like there's no there's welfare no no, no. Like, if, you, if you fall you, you fall you fall to, hard to, to the heart 100% yeah because the, the, kind of the same thing I, I was getting <laughs> this is funny using public transport in LA is kind of like what are you doing now so I went from central LA to Long Beach on like a they've got like a metro center and I remember when I got on it no one else was on it I was like what this is like it was good it was good service yeah so I went, so I went down to LA uh, to Long Beach and on that train like in London, there, there was a, a I, I assume, homeless. Uh, the guy had, uh, it was empty from the knee down. Sure. But what I remember is that he had no eyes in either sockets. Like, you could just see the back of his eyes in Really? Both. Like, he was completely blind. But you could see the back of his eyes. And, like, I work in disability now. Okay. And, you, and like, I, I, I always thought, I'd be cool cool with this sort of stuff but I was shocked she like shocking, oh my god like fuck like this guy clearly needs support there's no support for him and here he is just begging up and down a, a, a train cart just just hoping someone can support him fucking hell and sure how well he was able he was able to walk and everything well no no, no. so he was he basically made shift a skateboard he had like a yeah uh, like a uh, like a two by four not two by four like a, a wood crate stapled onto the skateboard and he would push it with his hands uh, so he would sit on it uh, with his with his um, with his uh, amputated legs kind of in front of him and then push but no eyes so he couldn't see anything um, but yeah that that's that's the thing that I think of every time anyone says LA is is that gentleman Jesus Christ um, that's horrific yeah pretty fucked that's horrific um, so as much as this country is fucked at least we have some kind of welfare state yeah, that, yeah. That I don't think that guy would be without support over here oh that's awful fucking yeah. hell yeah uh, let's keep it light uh, <laughs> <laughs> my god we talked about Irish Republicanism and amputees on a skateboard in LA we haven't got to we haven't got to the punk <laughs> stuff, to the stuff. So, you, so you mentioned let's go Watch this and transition. Thatcher. Well, Thatcher. Thatcher. Oh, well, you can't talk about punishing by Thatcher. Uh, let, let's make this transition. Uh, transition. Um, you spoke about No Effects and, and that that band coming into your life. Yeah. Uh, recently announced they're gonna break. Yeah. Break up. I, I don't think they're gonna break up. I think they'll be back in five years' time doing Do like Rolling Stones style. We're back. You you were saying you listened to like kind of more contemporary rock music at the time. Yeah. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and how did that happen then? just a guy your friend who you spoke about just like listen to this I think you might dig this yeah well do you know I think the entry first the entry point wasn't um, No Effects it was Blink-182 okay. went into No Effects yeah. you know he showed me some of the music and I liked the political really the, like the political punk stuff you know I mean it kind of really I don't know registered me and up to that point I had never been involved like in following politics in Ireland you know they have their own what you'd have like the Tory and Labour parties yeah. over here um, really it was the collapse like when the, the when the whole fell out of Ireland in yeah. the financial crisis like that's when I started paying more attention to what the fuck was going on 
um, and then the lyrics that I've been listening to six years previous registered more yeah. you know like even at the time sorry when I was 17 I thought it blew my, like it blew my mind yeah so so when you're talking about like political punk what, what bands are you talking about bad religion yeah yep. no effects yeah. I mean they do have a, a political voice really yeah. rise against yeah uh, anti-flag you know they're, you know they're all quite political and someone would say like oh that they're you know they're left of this and that, that right? whatever like you know um, but if you bad religion have a song called ad hominem right in which you kind of lose the argument when it comes ad hominem if you say like well the writer's shit just because they're fucking shit like and you can't pinpoint those policies you know then you say well punk's just for fucking dumbasses like you know where you just drink beer and you just say like oh the writer's shit bad religion a band like bad religion break it down you know Greg Graffin is a lecturer right he's got like two PhDs yeah he's not fucking around yeah. you know he le- he guest lectures in UCLA in arts and humanities he can tell you exactly why this is wrong and that is wrong you know uh, if you're well rounded like that he can also tell you why anyone left if they were wrong could be wrong you're, you're commentating on uh, the political not divide but the whatever like whatever way it's leaning hmm. um, you're just commentating on it like and, and saying like well this affects me a person who's paying taxes and then is being legislated against to, to do all this other shit I don't like this for X, Y and Z it's just historically Tories and Republicans are, are like the bell tighteners, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The offspring is playing at the moment here oh, in the background. Yeah. I love, I love the offspring. I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, just because you mentioned uh, Blink One Eighty Two, there, have you been surprised by how expensive their tickets are? And that is not, boy. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> you see, you know, those tickets are like one hundred and eighty quid. They're, they're ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous. You need fuck to, that. you need to be rich as fuck. Yeah. To, to go and watch fuck Blink. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I probably won't go. What I'll probably do is like, instead of going to a twenty thousand person venue. Uh, in the O2 and pay 180 quid for a ticket and pay seven pounds for a beer I'll probably get a bunch of cans right and whack it on the speaker at home and then go to the jacks when I need to and there's no queue there <laughs> fucking unreal yeah. well I mean this is I've never so people from outside the UK the, the O2 is essentially the big venue in the UK you've got the O2 and you've got Wembley so they're, they're, they're the two main ones and I've never had a good gig at the O2. I've never had a good gig at Wembley. I barely have a good gig at Brixton Academy. Even, like, for me, that's too big still. Sure. Like, for me, the best venue in, 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 in London, in particular, is, is either Scala. I really like, I really okay. like Scala. And then also the one that is in the Astoria. Yep. The Astoria Farrandham. Love that venue as well. Right. If you're going to get like a big name, sure. play those two venues. Big fan of that. What, the Roundhouse? The Roundhouse is a great venue. The, I, I do like the Roundhouse, but the pillars piss me off. If you're behind a pillar, you're fucked. So uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of pillars. Um, so uh, that, that annoys me. The sound there is amazing though. And it's intimate enough really that you can really see what's going on like down below, you know? So, so when was your first punk gig then? Was it in the UK or was it in Ireland? Yeah, it was. It was in. It was over here. Yeah, it was over here in London. Like, do, do you remember what gig it was? Uh, yes, our first punk gig uh, was in the Rhythm Factory, I which is. Know, I'm uh, guessing that's gone now. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, time, yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, I met a band that night uh, called Scrotum Clamp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. Like, this is 10 years ago, right? And I'm still friends with Scrotum Clamp. To this day, they play every Philanthropunks. Like, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, these guys are, 
These guys are amazing supporters of Flatterpunk, and by the way, they're a fucking great band. You know, they're incredible. performers you know their their set is tight as fuck and they're really engaging yeah. you know uh, Tim is the singer of the band uh, and he just like he's electric when he's performing like he's fucking electric I got talking to them that night at Rhythm Factory because I couldn't get my pedal working <laughs> yeah because we were well we were shit at equipment you know and um, Johnny the guitarist came up and went just use my pedal and he showed us he just like made it work for me yeah. So this is this this is your own band, the Scuts. The Scuts, yeah, yeah. So what what sorry, what what I meant was like your first punk band watching. Oh, sorry. Oh, my apologies. We'll come uh, to the Scuts in a second. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> first punk gig. Fuck. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, the actual like a punk band that I would have known and heard of. And you, you could have walked in and and yeah. there was a band playing like oh fuck I enjoy this but. I can't remember. I do remember my first punk show that I like paid to go see, like yeah. as in like whatever, like a big, big one. And it was when some forty one was supposed to play at the Roundhouse, um, and they didn't <laughs> because like Derek would be had some back problems or something. Yeah. So they they couldn't play, and um, the support band became the headliner band. But I'm trying to remember the name of them now. I can't remember. It's a band I never listened to anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there was there, left an impression. Yeah, yeah, you sure. But well, it did because the the their, the opening band, uh, some guy was running around the stage like, and he put a bin like a steel bin on his head. Yeah, running around the place like like a wacko. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Like I, you know, fucking, I'm there all day for that shit. Like you know, I think maybe I don't know if everyone else was like, mm, that's a bit weird. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, uh, and it was raucous. It was exactly what I thought it might be. I didn't really go to any punk gigs in Ireland. No. So, so moving from from Cork to London, where there is this kind of music scene yeah. going, there's, there's always a band playing somewhere at some point. Was that something that you you were like, yes, this is what I need. This is what I want. I yeah. want to be surrounded by that. Well, I saw, do you know what? Especially with punk, yeah? I saw the kind of camaraderie that's there, you know? In my, my personal opinion, you get kind of like, I don't know, what you want to call it, let's say brotherhood, you know, in a lot of genres of music. But it comes out tenfold uh, in punk. That's my own experience. It's always been the same, you know? Uh, year after, this is my sixth year doing uh, Flat Punks, and it's always been the same, you know? Yeah. Everyone's really cool. Uh, I've gigged at these bands outside of PP, just randomly you know on whatever promotions going on that night you know we all know each other so is that, is that how you kind of built up without sounding too wanky like your contact list with the scuts like yeah, you go on sure. tour or play a show and go I really enjoyed you FYI I do this event once a year would you be interested well do you know I didn't I, I just actually I, I, when I engage with them like it's it's through messaging like we'll talk at the shows as well like if we're at the same show because we'll say like oh by the way we've got this thing coming up and that thing coming up but normally I just reach out and say do you guys want to do it because the, the bands that are playing Flanthapunks this year 
you know, it's a really good lineup. Like really, on the Friday and Saturday, it's so so strong. Like you know, um, the acoustic uh, acoustic day, we've got some amazing performers as well. Uh, I mean, these guys have been around a long, like some of these guys have been around a long time, yeah. and they perform bigger shows than Flanderbunks. Like these guys have been to Rebellion. Yeah, like, they perform Rebellion. Like they they know what they're fucking doing. Like so, I think it's I don't know, a bit of an honour that, <laughs> that they, they still kind of remember shows like Flanderbunks, you know, and to come out and come out and play because you're committing time yeah and, and do you think that's because of the the, the punk ethos of yeah like it doesn't matter the size of the show play and if 100%. it's for a good cause even better 100% 100% it's because they just they love it they love it you know every year we have good fun and this year we've got like um, Eddie and the Hot Rods playing the venue that we had had a stage had the back line everything and now we will not be playing on a stage. It's going to be even more fucking DIY than it was ever, you know. Mm. We're playing under a railway arch uh, on the floor with the crowd, you know, just in your face punk rock like. And I was afraid that maybe some of the, even some of the bigger bands might not like that because, you know, they've, they've kind of moved on, you know, and gotten bigger and more professional, but <laughs> everyone's up for it. It's amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. It sounds great. So we're going to talk a little bit about it, but first, I want to talk about homelessness because I think it's important that people understand why you're raising money uh, for for Glassdoor. So in the UK, there are over a quarter of a million uh, people experiencing homelessness according to Shelter, and this has been rising since uh, 2020. The average age of a person who who dies uh, living on the street is 46 for men, yep. 42 for women. I mean, I'm hitting my 40s, so if I, if I happen to be uh, sleeping rough at the moment, I've got six years of my life uh, left. People sleeping in the street are almost 17 times more likely to be victims of violence. Yep. Uh, more than one in three people sleeping rough have been deliberately hit, kicked, or experienced some form of violence. Urinated on. That's it's happened to. Yep. Yep. Pissed, Pissed on. on. Yep. Uh, homeless people are over nine times more likely to uh, take their own life than the general population. And as we record this now, there are going to be over 8,000 people in London who will be looking for a shelter. Explain to me why Plan for Punk was born. And, and why you decided that all profits will go to the homeless charity Glassdoors? Look, I mean, when I moved over to the UK, like, you know, Cameron had just gotten in. You know, it was, it was conservative government. They'd stripped everything back. Homelessness grew. In the last 12 years, it's grown and grown and grown, right? Um, uh, stupid bullshit like that fucking bedroom tax coming in, it, you know, led to more homelessness. COVID and the, the evictions that happened after COVID led to more homelessness, you know? Just so people know, the bedroom tax essentially was a tax that the government was putting on, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who had an extra room and wasn't filling it, yeah. they would get taxed for that room. In their council property, that's right, yeah. 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 In this meantime, though, like, you know, in the meantime, the, you know, the government didn't, like, get any more council housing built. Like, you know, this is the way of uh, rotating their stock without spending any money. Like it's total bullshit. I I'm, I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I, I I'm not defending the Tory government. But this was also a Labour issue as well. They wasn't building council homes when they were sure. building homes as well. It's sure. been it's been a UK government issue. It's been a UK yeah. government issue indeed. Yeah, yeah. And but remember that the, the reason they lost their rolling stock or their their stock is because in the Conservative government they gave them the right to buy. Yeah, factual right, uh, right to buy. Factual right to buy. Yeah, and that reduced their stock. Now there was no money to build those houses. You know, and with the new builds, as far as I'm aware, there's like a 30 percent of the new builds are supposed to go to council housing, but that doesn't fucking happen. You know, what I mean, there's a way around that, and they they make sure like it's the same like the fucking windfall tax. 
you know, and they say like, well, these are tax incentives that you don't have to pay the whole fucking thing. You know, it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's a headline to uh, to appease us, but really, the money makers know how to, you know, hide their cash. Well, now, people get rich by people get by rich, being smart, indeed. By yeah, hundred percent. You know, well, I'm not a millionaire. What does that say about me? <laughs> but anyway. Well, while this is going on, I was like becoming more and more politically involved, and like not involved, but just like more and more enraged by the politics that was unfolding before my eyes. I just thought it was fucking horseshit. Yeah, when, many many years ago, when I was in Ireland, uh, we lost our home, so we lived in um, uh, like a, a women's shelter place. You know, for about six months to get back on our feet. So was that you and your four siblings? Yeah, at the time, me and the three siblings and my mother. Yeah, and it was one room. You know, one room, and you could make it up as a home as much as you like, but it wasn't a home. Like you know, you're you're living in a women's shelter. You know, and I saw a lot of people there. They were kind of lost, to be honest. Like you know, I felt very very sorry for them. Like like there was a woman that lived next door to us, and she was a bit unhinged to be honest and I didn't understand anything about mental health and I'd listen to her rage like and now these days of course it's you know I, I understand sure that poor old soul had no one like that's why she was living in a shelter and she was in her 60s at the time um, and getting yourself out of that is I suppose it can be difficult it can be difficult like you know and I think if you don't have support there not just financially but um, mentally then the world is set up for you if you're already on the down spiral to fail further and you will be forgotten about in an instant you know that's what I've always felt yep. you know uh, in my own experience of um, uh, of being in, in one of these shelters and seeing it if you could do something in your own power and you raise nothing but 50 quid that was 50 quid more than they had yesterday for anything yeah uh, and I think it's important to run shows like this. The punk community raises a lot of money overall. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a, like there's much bigger shows out there doing a lot better th- than what I would be doing. But I think when you're grassroots, you're kind of like you, you muck in a little bit with the you know with the charity. You, you converse with them on a personal level. You really kind of know, like when you visit the premises and see what they do, it really. I don't know. I don't know about everyone. It invigorated me, certainly, to keep going. Yeah. So you, you've been in the UK for a little while. And at what point was it like, I need to do something? I, I feel I have to do something now. Um, yeah, do you know, I mean, it was about six years ago. Uh, I was in a position where, you know, I was in a good, you know, good enough job. I worked for the London Underground. Yeah. Um, and... I had some, you know, I've got enough time to be able to, to organise a show and, you know, I could put up, at the time it was like 150, 200 quid of my own money to be able to fund, like, pay for the sound engineer and get a venue that was able to do it for free, yeah? Yeah. And then just get in touch with the lads, like, the guys that I've gigged with as the Scots, you know? Like, people like Dog Rotten, the Resuscitators, all those guys that we've, we've been on the same bill for years. I thought, why not just do a gig together and have a bit of a laugh, yeah? And uh, we, had, we had good fun, yeah, <laughs> it was really good fun.
So how do you go from, this is an idea, let's get going, to six years later now, and, and you're booking bands like the Hot Rods. I think last year you had the Vibrators. That's it, Vibrators. Like these, these are like big names that people are aware of. So how do you go from just an idea, DIY, get some mates in, put on a show, ask people to chip in, and that money goes to Glassdoor, yeah. to, to, to where you are now, whereabouts you can book those bigger names? We can, but I, I fund it myself. Like I pay that money myself, Teddy, and the Hot Rods, you know? You know, they're a professional band, and they're doing this gig um, on on the Saturday, like as a as a favor, really. Like you know, I'm not. Eddie and the Hot Rods are touring, still now touring all over Europe. Like you know, these guys are big business. Like you know, they're serious business, uh, and they've they're doing my show for uh, you know, kind of mates' rates really to help me out. But if we didn't do it, and I didn't put that money up and invest in the show a little bit, then I'm not, you know, I'm not putting my money where my mouth is. And if I wanted, you know, I've got ideas for where Philanthropunks is going to go next year, you know, and the year after. Uh, I think, you know, if I wanted businesses to support me, you know, we tried this before to get some, you know, funds matched. But if I put my own money in and raise an acumen that way, uh, then I could go to these businesses and say, like, I, you know, we raise this money. If you wanted to support a business and get your name and a whatever, a letter, uh, would you support it, match it, or partially match it? And then we become like instead of a two and a half thousand pound show, we become a fucking twelve and a half thousand pound show. At the end of the day, it's that's small money in the ocean uh, for a business, especially like you know, this big fucking corporate thing. I don't know. Uh, and even like the couple of hundred quid I'm spending on a show, I'll see that money again. But the person in receipt of uh, the efforts of that money may not, right? And I think like when you when you, you, you want a socialist society, you want you want that kind of socialism. In our medicine system, we have it, like, you know. Uh, and it has been a lifesaver to many people. It, maybe it should exist on the streets as well, really, in these charities. Glassdoor received no government funding at all. They fundraise on their own, you know. And not only do they do the night shelters, they also do a drop-in centre Monday, Tuesday and Thursday between 9 and uh, 2, where you can rock up, get your breakfast, you can get some books, get a caseworker, get some lunch. They do a lot of shit. And th- those caseworkers will try and get them temporary or permanent accommodation, you know. That's a lot. That's a lot to do on their own. Just fundraising. So how did you find Glassdoor then? Google. <laughs> so, yeah, literally, I was literally Googling. Show in my area or something like that. Well, I was just Googling different shelters and like... Uh, like looking at all these other shelters that do amazing work still you know like you've got shelter and you've got St. Mungo's yeah but they take do you want another drink okay oh sure yeah thanks I get the same as well um yeah they um they do amazing work but they're in receipt of government money and that means like let's say someone didn't have their paperwork fully up to scratch yeah they lost it because they weren't able to cope Sometimes the rules state, with the government funding, you need to alert, or uh, not alert, but um, inform the Home Office if someone is... Oh, sorry. Uh, you need to um, inform the Home Office if someone is... Um, it doesn't have their paperwork in up, uh, up to date, whatever. Glassdoor don't do that. They don't care about that kind of stuff. All I see is there's a homeless guy right there, or homeless person right there. And 
we're going to help them right now, right? You know, it's the point of, it's free at the point of use was the NHS, right? Glassdoor did the same thing. Yeah. It's free at the point of use, but there's a point of use there. You literally walk in, no question asked, get, get some food. Yeah. Was it a case of we're just going to do it and give it to them and they won't know, or what, did you approach them saying I, I approached I w- them? Yeah, I approached them because, like, people have a lot of different connotations when it comes to punk. You know, in this country or wherever else, like you know, are you punk like No Effects, or are you punk like fucking Screwdriver? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I did. Um, just again, I, I like to tell people because they might not know Screwdriver are far right. Indeed. Fucking Nazi punk band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mental cases. Yeah. Uh, but so I approached Glassdoor and went, I've just found you guys online, sorry, like, and I think what you're doing is amazing. And I'm I'm doing a punk show in November, and I know I want to... No, actually, I didn't settle on the date yet. I'm doing a punk show near Christmas, and I'm, I'm doing it for a homeless charity. Would you like to be the beneficiary of this? I really like what you're doing. Yeah. And they got back to me, like, really straight away, saying, like, yeah, it'd be cool. You know, I said to them like, oh, I'm obviously crazy. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm I'm trying to eat my chips away from the microphone, crazy. Like, but, but I'm not. <laughs> that's just polite. That's what. <laughs> and, and even letting them go cold, which well, is yeah, yeah, which yeah, is just, really I'll kind re- of you. I'll read on them, like you yeah, know. It's, uh, you know. <laughs> so, and they said, yeah, that'd be great. I sent them over, you know, some examples of my own music. You know, to say like, yeah, we're, we're kind of political, like, but we're not, we're not, we're not crazy, like you know. But we just want to do something. Yeah. you know uh, for it and I enlisted the help of two of my friends again who were on the punk circuit and uh, the three of us made it happen back in 20, uh, 2017 in New Cross Inn you telling this to maybe someone who doesn't know about the punk community what what response did you get like what what why uh, no to be honest because I was pretty transparent in what I was doing from the start Yeah. I said to Glassdoor this is what I'm going to do I didn't invest my own money into the show at the start by the way for the first four years it was like I got a venue for free and got this for free. Like I managed to just like beg yeah, <laughs> really yeah. for the for the stuff, yeah. But like with the vibrators coming in in 2021, like I knew the only way that we'll ever raise more awareness for the show and start appearing on someone's radar is to invest some money in here, you know. Uh, Escape Bar. The reason why we found Escape Bar is like we we did 2019 at the Fiddler's Elbow, and uh, Mike was there with his band Mug, and when he came off the stage, we got into a conversation. Uh, and he said like yeah you should have to show up my venue yeah because you know you should be there because I'm not going to charge a ton of junior fuck it this is good fun yeah so we had 2020 there but we didn't have 2020 there if you know what I mean like we we couldn't do it so what we did was we filmed some segments in the basement uh, and that's on YouTube Um, so we interviewed the bands and then or the the acoustic artists and it was all a kind of semi-acoustic acoustic um, and then let them play, and then we uploaded that to try and raise some money on uh, YouTube. But like, Mike's been an ardent supporter of um, Fernando Bunks uh, since really well, since he's, he's found out about it. Uh, and when the Vibrators came to play, whatever money they wanted, the bar put up, and I, I paid the bar back, then yep. whatever, you know. Uh, and it was better for me to do that because I could do it in whatever installments. Like you know, it was just it was easier. We just made sure that the show went off on H and was fucking mental that weekend. It was rammed. It was such a such a good weekend. The Vibrators tore that fucking stage up, and that was their third last show. They retired yeah. after that. You know, they, they they did two more shows and they retired. But fucking hell, you never know that they were at the end of the line. Like 
God, it was amazing, amazing. And myself and Mike are still trying to figure it out now um, with the other two organisers, um, uh, Livy and Sober Dave, still trying to figure out how to make this work uh, in November. But uh, yeah, we were lucky with the venue. What what has actually, thank you so much, uh, what has actually been your, your, your biggest challenge then, like doing this? Is, is it the booking? Is it getting time management? Because... People might think, oh yeah, just put on a show and like you put in the times and everyone's going to turn up at the same time. Doesn't fucking happen. So like, what what has been the biggest challenge of setting up something like this? You've got like what 20, 30 bands playing over three 15, days uh, this year. Fifteen. Fifteen. So okay. we we we've taken it back. Like last year, ruined us. Like yeah, we had about fucking twenty six bands or some shit like that playing because the Sunday was not acoustic. Um, but this year we made it acoustic. So we got this year we got fifteen bands and nine acoustic performers. Uh, so we're still in, in the 20s with what we're putting on uh, but this way I think it's easier for everyone and it's a nicer day on the Sunday some of the biggest challenges um, your time management is, is is key Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest problems is when one of the bands is late one year the sound engineer was late we were supposed to start at one o'clock he showed up at uh, two o'clock yeah <laughs> so I had to start reducing people's set times like at the first half of the day start going through the list going like shave five minutes off here shave five minutes off there um, and then to kind of get us back on track later on in the day like you know but it took a good five hours before we were back to where we'd begun like yeah. you know um, when the bands are late I normally ask like some of the other bands can you just go on early you know sometimes it doesn't always work because they might have some people coming to see them and, you know uh, that's a, some of the biggest challenges some of the other biggest challenges are just like raising awareness of this fucking thing you know um, I mean I pay to advertise on Facebook you know I tried TikTok and all that you know but I think the best way to promote is doing everything yeah everything you know uh, you know doing podcasts or you've kindly decided to, to host us tonight uh, to, to raise awareness uh, maybe TikTok maybe like I went out flyering on the street uh, I bought some flyers bought some posters on the Saturday I went out flyering on the Monday the venue closed so all those people with the flyers <laughs> going to rock up <laughs> they have the wrong fucking venue on there <laughs> realistically who would you like to book for next year you may have already booked someone but away from that who would you like to realistically book maybe let's say 2024 that's a hard one to be honest yeah because I have to try and step out of my own mind to answer that question if I were to say like brutal promoter you know it'd be like well you're talking bands like UK subs and all that kind of stuff and I've, you know, I've tried to get these bands before but like really what I would do in 2024 and next year sure is to have like two big headliners on the Friday and oh you get you get some I've literally just mic. spilled beer all down myself <laughs> oh no fucking hell sorry carry on that's how you know it's a good Friday night mate <laughs> <laughs> well I would if I've actually drank more than just two beers um, I think though what, the reason why I want to go down sponsorship route is because I would never want to I, I would never want to do Flanderpunks or the bands that play now you know um, you know bands like Polly Pickpockets or uh, Dog Rotten um, guys I've gigged with forever and ever you know I don't want to do it without them because that's the community there I would not want to replace these guys with a, a massive band I'd like to have a bigger band in the bill so what I do is I lengthen the, I, I lengthen the days I start the day earlier I add another day on you know yeah. one one of the things I'm looking at next year is to add a fourth day so Thursday might happen Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday 
Um, but yeah, uh, who I'd like to book? Bands like the UK subs and the dam to be fucking amazing. But I would not give up the bands that I work with, uh, that I play with now, for that. Yeah. They would be on the same bill as those bands. Yeah. So, so people listen to this, like the audience of this podcast. There's, there's a lot of people in America, there's people in Germany who won't be able to come to the show, but might want to support what you're doing. Is there any way they can do that? So, right now, um, we've got um, the Frank Hunks Bandcamp of the acoustic stuff from 2020. That's all that's up there. But they could go onto the Glassdoor website, uh, and there's a donation. Uh, I've got like a fundraiser up there right now for Philanthropunks, and they could donate that way. But the best way to do it, because cost of living crisis is a bit fucked, yeah? The best way to do it is go onto Spotify and look up Philanthropunks. There's a, a Spotify playlist there, yeah? Um, and share it. Just share it. Just Play on repeat. It and share it, yeah? Because half of this is about raising money. The other half is raising awareness, because someday raising that awareness will raise more money. But if you get that music into people's minds, they get supported their own way, you know? They could do it their own way. Uh, and we don't, like, of course it's nice to have as much money as you can uh, for the charity, but some people aren't in a position to do that, and they feel embarrassed when you ask them. So, listen to the music. That's it, and share it. <laughs> so, I've, I've recently started ending episodes with this question. Uh, so I'm going to do it with you. If time and distance wasn't an issue, who are you grabbing a beer with? Uh, I think Greg Graffin. Yeah. Bad religion. Yeah. Yeah, I think that guy could teach me some shit. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a smart guy, you know. Apart from fucking let me name right at the beginning, it's really good to have this chat and um, if, if you do anything with this podcast to help what you guys are doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Give us a shout. I'm happy to do that. Um, and all the links of what we've spoken about today will be in the episode description of the podcast so you can find and help and support uh, that way. But anyway, uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's a great cause. And uh, I, I think there's people listening who are like, I completely agree what he's doing, but fuck it, I'm not doing that. And I, I think it's really good, and I think it's important that we celebrate people who do do the things that they actually preach. Because I'd be one, I'd be one, no, I'd be one who would say like I believe in shit, but I'm like I've got a life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's really. Like, I don't need the headaches. So. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's to make fun of that balance. So when you speak to someone who is doing it, it should be applauded, man, because you're doing a great service. And, and homelessness is, is something that. As much as you get spoken about, you don't really see much action. We continuously walk past people on the street. Uh, people don't even acknowledge, and like you said, like, sometimes um, people don't think that it is just the people who are who are rough sleeping. Like you said, like your mum, people who who are put up in hotels for yep. for, for years and and or shipped out to to seaside towns and, yep. and away from home and whereabouts they might have a network. So. Yeah, dude. Keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. Thank you so much to Ali for giving up his time to chat to me. So after we stopped recording, Ali completely forgot to big up uh, an organisation called Fifth Column. They print the T-shirts for Philanthropunk. Uh, they're based in Tottenham Hill and uh, 
since the inception of Flange Punk, they have given up free printing for t-shirts every year. So they basically give Flange Punk all the t-shirts, uh, all the merch t-shirts to sell at the shows to, to raise more money for the homeless charity Glassdoor. So if you're in the market for t-shirts, go give those guys some love and uh, go check them out because they seem to be doing a really good thing for a, uh, a noble cause. Also, a very quick shout out to Passyunk Avenue for finding me a place to chat to Ali on a very busy Friday night. If you're ever in London and want a Philly cheesesteak, you can't go wrong with that place. And my last thanks, but a big one, to the lads at Maggot House for sponsoring this episode. A link to more of their music and all the music played today in this episode can be found in the episode description of this podcast. Right, that's it for today. If you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up again. If you live in America, go vote. Everyone else, you are fucking amazing. Bye-bye.